Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of the podcast from P-Town. Hope everybody's having another good week out there. Hopefully your weather's a little nicer than ours. It's turned cold again here in June, hoping that my garden doesn't freeze. It seems like every year around the 1st of June we end up getting a freeze and it kills half the people's gardens and whatnot. So hopefully that didn't happen this week or this year. Uh, getting into the news a little bit. Um... LeBron James is still out of the series, so that makes me happy. But on the flip side of that, so are the Blazers. I think they're in uh, pretty good shape to end up losing Damian Lillard this year. He needs to go to a team where he can do a little bit more, or maybe do a little bit less, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Also in the news this week, it looks like around June 21st, Oregon will stop requiring face masks because they say that over 70% of the state will be vaccinated by that point. The strange thing about that, though, is that the Oregon State Colleges all came out and said that students have to be able to show proof of vaccination to return to in-person classes. And so that just, I don't know, they're allowing the state to not have to wear face masks, but then they're making students show vaccination proof. And it also... This whole vaccinated, non-vaccinated thing, it's almost like segregation again. You know, people are, uh, there's actually people that get bullied because they're not vaccinated. And um, I think it should be everybody's choice. I mean, I don't plan on getting vaccinated until they can do some more testing on this. I'm not one of those conspiracy theory, theory people that thinks they're implanting RFID chips in you or something. I just want some more tests done on the drug and maybe get it past FDA approval before they start injecting it in me. Oh, and did you guys get a chance to watch the Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul fight? That was pretty darn disappointing. I was hoping uh, Mayweather would make pretty short work of him, but it ended up going the full eight rounds. There is video coming out now, though, that the, uh, one of those punches that Mayweather connected on, they think that he actually may have locked knocked out Logan Paul and was kind of holding him up until he came back around. But I also read this morning that I think Mayweather got paid $30 million for having people's patches on his trunks. And that's on top of what I think he got like $10 million or something like that just to go out there for the fight. And I wish somebody paid me that type of money to go out there. I'd go out there and take a couple hits from him for even a million dollars. It'd be, uh, probably be worth it. Maybe not the brain damage I had afterwards, but um, these guys, they get paid a lot of money to go out there and beat the crap out of each other. And then the last thing, which is going to kind of tie into the story tonight a little bit, I guess um, Atlanta is suing MLB for moving the All-Star game to Denver. It sounds like there's some big lawsuit that's going on or coming up for them suing the MLB for, I don't know if it's loss of business or whatever it is, but uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. But anyhow, tonight we're going to talk about the Brooklyn Dodgers. And this uh, little bit is in the song because in 1955, the Brooklyn Dodgers finally won the World Series against the Yankees. And it was the fifth time these two teams had met up for the World Series. And then the Yankees... They the Brooklyn Dodgers won in 55, but then the Yankees came back and beat them in the next year in 1956. So it seems like these two were the teams to beat back in those days. But it would be the only time that the Brooklyn Dodgers would end up 
winning the World Series because in 1957, they moved to L.A. and became the Los Angeles Dodgers. And remember Roy Campanella that we talked about on an earlier episode? Uh, he was part of the team this year when they ended up winning the series. But a little bit about Dodgers history. The original founder of the team was a guy by the name of Charles Byrne. And he was a realtor in New York, and he talked to his brother-in-law, Joseph Doyle, and then a casino operator named Ferdinand Abel to help him form the team. This team, it was actually created in 1883, but they were only a minor league team the first year. But the Byrne guy, being a realtor, he had his eye on some ground in New York, and they ended up building a stadium there, and they called it Washington Park. And their first home game brought in 6,431 fans. So they played in the American Association in 1884 to 1889. And then they joined the National League, which had been around since 1876, but they'd just never been a part of it. And over the years, they had a lot of different nicknames for a team. They were called the Grays for a while because of their gray outfits. They are also called the Bridegrooms or the Grooms because a whole bunch of their players ended up getting married during the 1888 season. And they played, they were doing pretty good. They played well at the beginning of the 1890s, but the middle part of that decade didn't go so well for them. Uh, some of the sports historians uh, wrote about them. They attribute the uh, downswing in their play to management allowing drunkenness among the players, even when they were actually playing. And I'm not sure, it, I couldn't find out exactly how the ownership changed, but then in 1899, most of the Baltimore Oriole players moved over because there was a guy, he was part owner of both teams. He owned part of the Orioles as well as the Dodgers. And then, so they brought over a bunch of actually really good players, and they'd end up winning the world, or winning in... 1899 and in 1900 they won the national league title so later they after this they'd pick up other nicknames like wards wonders uh super baz and the robins but the legal team or the legal name of the team was the brooklyn baseball club and it's kind of like the washington football team now but the post, most popular nickname for the team at this time, it was called the Trolley Dodgers, which were the name for because one of the fields that they played on, it was close to where the trolleys were running. And they said that you'd have to actually dodge the trolleys when you were leaving the stadium. And that's another thing. I think there were a couple of different fields that they played on. They uh, One of their fields ended up, or stadiums ended up burning down and they had to rebuild and things like that. And then I actually, I think they actually moved the actual location of the field a couple of times, but anyhow, yeah, they were called the trolley Dodgers for quite a long time, but eventually ended up getting changed to the Brooklyn Dodgers and Brooklyn. It would be the first team in uh, major league history to end up breaking the color barrier in 1947. Jackie Robinson ended up playing his uh, first game for them which I didn't know this, but by putting him on the team, it led them to moving their spring training site because prior to 1946, they trained in Jacksonville, Florida. But the city of Jacksonville, they refused to host an ex exhibition game since Robinson's name was on the roster. They cited segregation laws as why they wouldn't allow the game to be played there. But, you know, it just amazes me how stupid people were back then uh, to you know, just the whole segregation and all that other crap that went on back in those days. 
But the Dodgers, they'd had a number of all-star players throughout the years, and it finally came together in, 19, in 1955 when they would end up beating the Yankees in a seven-game World Series. And then, like I said, two years later, they end up moving to L.A. And for the record, I'm not sure which team I dislike more, the Dodgers or the Yankees, but it would probably end up being the Yankees. And I know I've said that uh, sports things are one of my favorite things to talk about, but that's pretty much all I have for the Brooklyn Dodgers. So I think we're going to roll in to something totally different, and that is Davy Crockett. And this isn't about the real Davy Crockett. This is about the, uh, the TV show Davy Crockett that Disney put out in the 1950s. And it was a five-part series that first aired in 1954. And everybody probably knows the theme song from the show. I'd sing it for you, but no. So they put out the first three episodes, and Disney was surprised at the popularity it received. So, always wanting to make a dollar, he started off selling different paraphernalia patterned around the show. Mainly, like, he sold, like, coonskin caps and bubblegum cards and things like that. And Fess Parker, who played the part of Davy Crockett, he was supposed to get a cut of the merchandising profits. But the lawyers that had written up the contract, evidently, pointed out that his contract was with Walt Disney personally and not with Walt or not with the Disney company. So he didn't any he didn't end up receiving any of the royalties or profits off of that. So that's kind of a punch in the gut for him. But after this movie's success, Disney attempted to make other heroic characters, but it didn't really take off for him like he like this one did. In this show it also helped Disney to finance his theme park. His company wanted to highlight historical figures and I think you know you kind of see that as you go into the old part of Disneyland. Um, some of the older stuff that's like in Old Town Disney or whatever. Later on, as you move into the newer parts, everything kind of became more modernized and overpriced. But the show, it did end up raising some speculation. People debated whether or not Crockett was due all the popularity the show was making about him. They also questioned the historical accuracy of the show, and which it kind of sounds like a bunch of Karens if you ask me. Just watch the stupid show and don't second-guess everything. But nevertheless, it was a huge hit for Disney. By 1955, Americans had spent over $300 million on Davy Crockett merchandise and $2 billion by 2001. And the original, it was filmed with ABC. Then in the 60s, Disney signed on with NBC, and they re-aired it with that network. And this was also the first time that the show, it was actually shown in color. And then they produced two more episodes under the NBC title. And I can't imagine the legal battle that probably went on when they told ABC that they were going to air it on NBC. I'm not sure how all that works uh, with movie rights and that type of thing. And since we're talking about Walt Disney and we still got some time left, we might as well continue on and talk about the next part or next name that's named in the show, and that's Peter Pan. And this was an animated film that was created by Disney in 1953. And honestly, I don't really like this show. I'm not sure why I don't like it. I didn't really like Pinocchio either. But it was based on the play called Peter Pan that came out in 1904. And the show focuses on a bunch of kids who travel to Neverland with Peter Pan and his friend Tinkerbell. Not to be confused with traveling to Neverland Ranch with Michael Jackson. But everybody kind of knows the whole plot of the story. I don't know if I really need to explain it, but Captain Hook, he tries to exact revenge on him for Peter cutting off his hand. 
And he's reminded every time his eye or other body parts itch that that was the kid who did it. But they go back and forth getting captured, escaping, and returning home and so forth. And that's pretty much how the whole story goes. But anyhow, Disney, he'd been looking at this all the way back in 1935. He was looking at making a, um, a movie after that play. They just released Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and they were going to make, their, make this their second film. But the movie rights to it were owned by Paramount Pictures, so they weren't able to produce it at the time. But by 1939, Disney had outbid Fleischer Studios for the animation rights to it, and he immediately began creating a story reel for it. But while they were working out the storyline, Pearl Harbor got attacked, and the military it ended up taking control of the studio and commissioned them to put out training videos and war propaganda. So Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland, which they were working on at the same time, they were put on the back burner while the war was going on. But after the war, it was picked up again, or picked back up again, and turned. Uh, they started working on it again. And a guy by the name of Jack Kinney ended up directing it. And it was kind of a uh, olive leaf or olive branch to him, I think. He was looking to leave Disney at the time and end up going to and going to Metro Goldman Meyer, Metro Goldman Goldwyn Meyer, and Disney didn't want him to go, so he had him direct this to keep him on uh, with Disney. And it seems like that the storyline to show went through a lot of different iterations before they finally settled on what they what we see today. They, uh, in the research, there was a bunch of different storylines that they were tossing around to try to come up with the one that they finally, uh, settled on. And also they were creating Cinderella and Alice in Wonderland at the same time. And Cinderella ended up getting the green light first, but they finally got it produced and, you know, it's done well over the years and it's original run. It grossed $6 million in distributor rentals. And it has earned a lifetime domestic gross of $87.4 million. And with adjustments for inflation and then subsequent releases, it has grossed $427.5 million. But obviously, as with anything, there's been controversy over the years with it. With it. The main one seems to be how they portrayed the Native Americans in the film. And I don't know, I remember watching it as a kid, and it never bothered me, but... I'm not full-blooded Indian either. Um, it just seems that something is going to make somebody mad anytime you put anything out. And that's pretty much it I've got for uh, Peter Pan. Like I said, we actually got in three different things in the song uh, tonight, and all of them are pretty short. Next week, I think it is, we get into uh, Elvis Presley, and that's going to be a pretty long one. Oh, and also, I hope you guys liked the episode i did over the weekend on iwo jima that was a lot of fun to do i'm hoping to do some more uh world war ii types of uh episodes and whatnot i really enjoy world war ii history and think it's pretty fascinating that you know those guys truly were the greatest generation and some of the trials and triumphs that they went through i think needs to be remembered there's not too many of those guys left these days and so hopefully getting it all out there in the cloud or whatever this is that um, some of it will be remembered to pass down on to further generations of, uh, you know, what the United States military has gone through or the people in the military have gone through to give us the freedoms that we enjoy today. So if you're liking the podcast, go out there and give it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. 
um, go out and follow us on the Facebook page at Podcast from P-Town. Or you can follow me or DM me on P-Town Podcast on Instagram. Or you can send me an email at ptownpodcast74 at gmail.com. And that's it for this one. We'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks a lot.